This is Random Discourse, the podcast. Welcome, everybody, um, to another what, rendition or edition or EPO. Just welcome to the Random Discourse Sports Podcast. Uh, <laughs> I'm your host, uh, Darrington, of course. Um, everybody should know me. And I have Anton with me. Anton, say what's up with the people. What's up, people? Uh, in case you're wondering what we're going to be discussing today, we're we'll be t- talking a little basketball, um, a little NFL football, and some college football. Primarily in the NBA, what we're going to be speaking about is the uh, Chicago Bulls and their situation that they have going on right now with their um, – I don't want to say glut of big men, but just the extra big men that they have on their roster. Cause I think they have about five serviceable big men right now. And it's almost, and then you're going to need to do something shortly here to clear up that, that log jam. Also, we're going to discuss the Cleveland Browns. You gotta love the Cleveland Browns, man. Um, huh? <laughs> you heard me. You gotta love the Cleveland Browns. They're, they're going to be, Starting over again, which seems like a uh, a biannually thing with them. Not biannually. Is it biannually? No, Every it, two it, years. It, it, no, that's that's when they skip a year. You know, and they they blow it up way too often. Let's just put yeah. it this way for any way professional. Yeah, and, and also I'm, you know. We got to just finish saying, y'all know, we'll get into the college football playoffs. Just a little recap reactions and talk a little just get just delve into uh, the championship game. And of course, we got to discuss our Florida Gators. I'm sorry, y'all. Yeah. So. Anton. Yo. Let's take it back to the top. Let's just start with Chicago, man. Okay. Chicago. Um. I guess, you know, the expectations are great for Chicago because, you know, the people are expecting them to not only contend for Eastern Conference Championship, but also possibly contend for an NBA Championship with the amount of talent that they have on that roster. Blah, blah, blah. You you don't – that just sounds like the same old song for them. Ever since Derrick Rose has been there, hasn't it? Basically, since Derrick Rose's MVP season, it's always about to be Chicago's year to go to the finals and to to bring one back in a post-Jordan era. But, you know, every year these the teams have the same kind of deficiencies and they they get themselves into particular situations that aren't conducive to winning the title. And this year is definitely no different, if not worse. I in mean, my I, opinion. I understand. I, I, I can, I, I can get that. I don't know if it's necessarily worse this year, but I do think they have a little bit more wiggle room to play with, with uh, the the trade deadline coming up here in a couple of months. Well, yeah. What is not even a couple of months? About a month and a half now, right? About a month and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Well, about a month and a half. What she was gonna say? Go ahead. No, no, no. I was gonna say they they do have flexibility that they haven't had in years past, and I think that 
because we're in the, the first year of the Fred Hoiberg regime, that they're kind of seeing what's working and what's not working and what's not working quickly. And hopefully they will like translate that into like getting some people out of there. You know, uh, we we're talking about the gluttony of big men because like, yeah, Paul Gasol, Joe Kim Noah, Taj Gibson, Miritic, and Bobby Portis. And, and about- Doug McDermott. Well, at Doug the, at three. He's a three. But Doug he's, is a three. But okay. he's also he's also in that gluttony of fours. Yeah, because he's that stretch four that they need. But also Miritich is. And from what we've seen just recently from Bobby Portis, he is as well. Uh, I mean, and, and that's kind of the reason why the, the Bulls find themselves in this situation currently. I mean, they have Paul Gasol, who's getting older, and he kind of seems as though he's he's ready to jump ship on the Chicago Bulls. His Chicago Bulls experiment is over. They have a, uh, a Joe Kim Noah, who's only 30 years old, but he seems to be on the wrong side of 30 already. And you have Taj Gibson, who... Granted, he hasn't been in the NBA that long, but people forget. But he's 100 he, years old. He was 24 when he was a rookie, and he's only been in the league six years, but he's 30 years old already. Yeah. And, and it might be time for the Bulls to just move on and trade one or two of those big men. I know they, they would hate to get rid of Taj Gibson, but don't you have a Taj Gibson clone in Bobby Portis? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I look at the situation, you know, most franchises would love to be in the situation. Let's, let's like go ahead and like put that out there. But with Fred Horberg's system, you're going to shoot a lot of threes and you're going to, and when you have a guards like D Rose and Jimmy Butler, you're going to be in a lot of pick and roll situations, right? And let me just give you a couple like scenarios about why somebody needs to be moved. The Bulls big men, the older big men, are absolutely horrible in pick-and-roll situations. Like, absolutely horrible. Joe Kim might be the worst in the league. He's, like, in pick-and-rolls. He's only shooting 31% from the field uh, effectively when in a pick-and-roll situation. Paul Powell isn't much better at 40%, and but Bobby Portis, on the exact opposite, is shooting, like, 73% in pick-and-roll situations. Like, He's effective, and when you're going to do that run-and-gun style that Fred Hoiberg is going to require out of these guys, you got to ship one of these guys off. And that's well, I don't, it's not so much a run-and-gun style that Fred wants to have them run. It's more so he needs versatility and flexibility from all five players on the court. And I think in some regards, that's why they need to move on from Derrick Rose as well. Because he doesn't provide him with that same type of flexibility. He's ball dominant. He can't. He, the ball doesn't move so much when he's out there. And you were you were speaking of being terrible in the pick and roll. Yes, Joe Kim Noah can't shoot. We all know that. But he also can't defend the pick and roll anymore like he used to. You remember when Joe Kim Noah used to be out on the perimeter, clapping hands, daring guard point guards to try to drive around him because he knew he had the the lateral agility and quickness to be able to stick in front of them. He doesn't have that anymore. And then now their primary big man with Paul Gasol being a uh, a dinosaur, so to speak, when it comes to the NBA, he can't do it either. Mm-hmm. No, no, like. 
And when you say that from a defensive standpoint, it's it's really bad. But you know, people look at the the raw statistics where you got Powell still averaging over two blocks a game. You have Joe Kim averaging one point one blocks a game, but they're not seeing that they're effectively can't guard anybody. And that plantar fasciitis that that Joe has dealt with the last two seasons looks like it's pretty much taken away, as you said, all of his lateral quickness. And he's gotten to a point where he's ineffective on the defensive end and as a hustle guy, and that's how he made his money. So mm-hmm. you you have to get him out of there. And you, you have to think that with Powell being the eighth that he is and Joe with – the, you know, his contract isn't unbearable, that they're movable pieces. You know, so I would I would be the first to say that, hey, one of these, if not both of them, have to go in by the trade deadline. It, 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 the Bulls big man situation reminds me of, you remember um, as a kid where you get those pictures and say, which one of these does not belong? Mm-hmm. That's that, that that's what's going on with the Bulls right now. Which one of these big men do not belong? And if they do not belong, ship them off. And the the sad part about it is is that they may end up shipping off somebody like a Miritich because they're going to get offered more for them, but end up that being and and that end up being more detrimental to them long in the long run than it is in the short term. I and and that would be absolutely tragic. You know, ideally, I would want to get rid of Pop Powell. Because regardless of what we may say, uh, Joe Kim is the leader of that team from a standpoint of, uh, you know, just personality. Because this year we're already hearing rumblings that Jimmy Butler isn't well like that. He's changed as a person. You're hearing, you know, money. he, he got the money and he got that star power. He's been out there, you know, doing his thing. But, like, he kind of is going to lose what kind of got him there in the process, you know. And so you need a steady leader, a proven winner, even though, you know, and Joe Kim has been that uh, for them. And, you know, just to make sure there's no big rift between the old guard and the new guard. You know, without Joe there, there may be more issues between him and Derrick Rose, even though we know what the franchise should and will pick at this point in their careers. But I think Powell has to be the preferred, the preferred person to go out of town because he's still playing really good ball. You know, he's still averaging over 10 uh, rebounds a game. He's still averaging 13 points a game. Like, he can be a contributor for a playoff team right now. So you got to take that. You got to get yeah. around it or not. You do. I mean, but it's just going to be interesting to to see how it plays out as we get closer to the trade deadline. Because as we get closer to the trade deadline, it it, it something's going to have to get for the Bulls. Because right now they're struggling worse, uh, more offensively than they have under Tom Thibodeau at any time, and that's crazy. Uh, I don't know if averaging 101 points a game is actually struggling, but but, off- I, but, but watching them is a struggle. Yeah, Watching but their offensive the rating is lower than, than it's ever been under Tom Thibodeau. Well, you know, uh, it's, you, it's, it, a matter, it's a matter of pieces. You know what I mean? You, you got Tom Thibodeau pieces in a Fred Hoiberg system, and you also have a well, Derrick a lot Rose of who can't throw the damn ball too. in the ocean. Yeah, and yeah. they're older. Yeah, yeah. and Derrick Rose can't throw the ball in the ocean. 
So the Chicago Bulls have a lot, a lot of problems. Man. So, but like big men aren't one of their problems, but because they have such depth, you know, we're I mean, sitting here talking about it. That's true. But I mean, if you want to talk about problems, problems, problems? let's talk about the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns have problems. That's a shit show. Man, what are they doing? Like they they they've already hired two two front office pieces just recently. What is it? Sashi Brown and they just got a when they got a baseball guy who's claiming oh, that he's the Podesta. Yeah, I don't I couldn't pronounce his name so I wasn't going to screw it up. Yeah. But they they just went and got Paul De Podesta from from the Mets. So that might help them a little bit because at least he's, they got somebody that seems to be competent. Cuz he, he he helped put together the Mets team that made it to the NFL the NL championship this year. Yeah. 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 And you know, I, but isn't this like more the same because they brought in Ray Farmar because he was a great talent evaluator and he was particularly an analytics guy. You know what I mean? Like that's what he was like known for before he was hired. So they brought him and now they're like, okay, well, that didn't work out. Let's double down on the analytics and get some true analytics people, not like this football analytics guy. Let's go full money ball, like literally do in money ball with Paul De Podesta. And but you really don't see a clear vision because it's like the owner uh has already Jimmy said Apple. he's gonna he's gonna hire a head coach that reports to him, and then there's gonna be a GM. That reports that to reports Sashi. To, and how does that work? Where, where does Paul? I want to know where Paul D. Podesta falls in this line. Yeah, like well, no, it, it does, the head coach reports to Paul D. Podesta, with, and yeah. then Paul D. Podesta is over Sashi Brown, but the GM reports directly to Sashi Brown. How does that work? Exactly. I always thought the hierarchy was supposed to be head coach, GM, owner, owner. What what is this lateral tree yeah, that they, they have yeah. going? It's like. It's like that corporation that got way too many senior VPs. You know what I mean? It's, it's like, dog, is everybody a senior VP now? What's going on? Like, you know, we got so yeah. I'm the senior VP of being a senior VP. Oh, senior of VP. Of senior VP. Yeah, it's like that. Like this makes no sense. But what also doesn't make any sense is that. Johnny Manziel, Brandon Whedon, Colt McCoy, and Brady Quinn are the quarterbacks that they have drafted since 07. You know what also has happened since 07? They've had five different head coaches. And you know how many GMs they've had? No. Probably I'm I'm probably gonna go with six. They're on the they're getting ready to go with their third GM, I believe. And and what was funny is that, like, guess what? Jim Harbaugh. And Baltimore was hired in 07. Yeah. Well, actually, they're on their seventh GM since 08, and this is going to be their eighth head coach since 99, since Bill Belichick. What the heck is going on with them? I don't know. I'm just saying, like, dude, since Jim Harbaugh, the last head coach in that division, not from the Cleveland Browns, was hired. Uh, They've had five head coaches, and they've drafted four quarterbacks. Since the last head coach, like, everybody else has been there. (laughs) <laughs> for a longer time, like that's how long, insane. Hey, hey, how long has Jimmy has on 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 the uh, the Cleveland Browns? Now, I don't this know. is his third third what third or fourth season? Yeah, he's our, this is going to be his third head coach. Third head coach, 
because like he's running it like like he's running it like y'all like mad Exactly, he's running like that. Oh man, I just get rid of his head coach. I'm gonna bring in some more players, man. It's easy. <laughs> like, there's no, no nobody wants to go to Cleveland. Paul Deepa, that but I, I was surprised when I read about this cat. He was like, I wanted to go to Cleveland. Like this has been a dream of mine. Like really, uh, really, yeah, yeah. It, I, it, you and LeBron like, James, y'all the only two people that want to be in Cleveland, dog. Like literally want to be in Cleveland. Like there's no, no. it makes no sense. But like, uh, uh, what is it? I will um. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'll, it'll come to me. It'll come no, back to no, me. Go ahead. No, but I was going to say is that, you know, but you can't have a team with any kind of cohesiveness when you keep on it, when you have that kind of turnover at GM and that kind of turnover at coaching because different GMs want to run different different schemes and they draft different kinds of players. Mm-hmm. And every three years, okay, but every other year in the NFL – like that's not gonna get it. That's not gonna get it. Like, you know, you, your 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 draft picks haven't even developed into real players. That's third year, third fourth year. That's when they become real players. I think this regime needed to go though, uh, because you could tell by the way they were jerking around and and the uh, some of the things that they were doing as far as coach and GM, just to some of the players and the way they were handling players. It they. They weren't a good fit. Like Mike Pettin wasn't ready to be a head coach. Like I don't know what Jimmy Haslam saw in him, but he wasn't ready to be a head coach. Yeah, they came out and played well and during that stretch because they were healthy. But as soon as their quarterback went down and Brian Hoyer, who I thought they should have brought back under a short-term contract just so just so they wouldn't have these issues that they're having right now, they they decided against that. Yeah, but McCarron played pretty decent ball this year. I know I, I really can't put it on the quarterback for once in Cleveland. Uh, it's can't really... you put it on on, John, on Johnny Football? Oh, excuse me, Bobby. <laughs> hey man, the man, the man just wanted to go to Vegas, hang out, man. You know, it's not like it's like, I think it's I not think like they're it's no, I think they're overblowing that situation with Johnny Manziel. Yes, I understand he's a, pro- a professional, but also he's a kid. I, I don't want to say no, he's a kid, but no, also but he's, he's a grown man. He, he, he should be he should be able to go where he wants to go. Yeah, yeah. Why is he the person that can't do anything else? Like everyone else in the league can pretty much. What go if what if would have been different if if he was out and people were taking pictures of him playing golf, like with Tony Romo? Exactly. Exactly. See, he's not. He's not. He's not that daytime person. He's a night person. He's that. He's an owl. Though. He loves the life. I think but, a lot of people. I think a lot of people in the NFL circle. Uh, it might be a little resentment towards Johnny Manziel because Johnny Manziel doesn't need NFL money. His parents and his family already has money that he no. has to go. That he has. He, so yeah. that he's literally that, doing it for the love. Love exactly. He like if for anybody to say he doesn't love this sport is stupid. Yeah, he loves yeah. to play football because yeah. if not, he would have he would have easily said, "All right, I'm done. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm gonna go be a senior VP. Yeah. You know I mean? <laughs> I'm gonna go be a senior VP. <laughs> you know, so what are you the senior VP of? Event planning. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, uh, so when when I look at Johnny, like of course, you know, looking back, 
would have been better if Johnny would have landed in a different situation? Of course. Yeah. Did did you see that Johnny football in a Midwestern kind of city wouldn't mesh from a from a cultural standpoint? Absolutely. Not, I don't even think it, it I don't it even is, think it dude. has to do with that. It it, it I, is. It is. It's like it's a morality that they're putting on him that that morality probably wouldn't be put on him if he was the quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. You know what I mean? Nah. You know what? He wouldn't. But if he was a quarterback for Miami, he wouldn't have to leave to go. He wouldn't have to leave and fly to Vegas to go have some fun. No, no, he just go downstairs. You know what I mean? He just go downstairs of his building and he out there on the block. But mm-hmm. that's not the position that he's in in Cleveland. But and the thing is, I don't even know how they get it right. It's gonna be four years, and then Joe Hayden Prime is gonna be gone. Like you got. You know, Joe Thomas, who they're going to have to deal, like, period. What's going to happen to that that once promising defense? Like, two years ago, that defense. It's going to get, you want to know what's going to happen? It's going to get old. Those players aren't going, and and the coach finally, once they get the offense up and running, because it's going to take four years to draft well enough and to get enough pieces. I shouldn't say four years. It's going to take two to to four years, depending on who they bring in and depending on if they can even last for those four years. It's going to take a while for them to get the, the proper pieces in place. And then while you're doing that, that defense is steadily getting older and older and older. And by by that time, it, now you're like, well, we finally got our offense in place. What's going on with the defense? Oh, we can't we can't win more than six games because our defense can't stop water from running. Yeah, and they were bad with run defense this year anyway. Because and I was surprised given all the draft picks that they put on the line. So it's been it's been kind of funny. Man, it's just interesting to see. And and the, the 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 strangest thing I've heard about this whole thing, and and I've read about this, is that the NFL owners and well, our owners in the NFL circle have confidence in Jimmy, Jimmy Haslam as an owner of the Cleveland Browns. Like, I don't know how you have confidence in an owner who's had as many head coaches as he's owned the team, no, as as many years no. as he's owned the team. Uh, I I think I think some people he must be a pretty good drinking buddy. You know that 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 has to be the excuse because like the way he's running this franchise, he's not running it like a business. And as as you know, these are all businessmen up there at the top. So he's he's just really being all willy nilly. He's treating it like his it's his kids, you know, little league team traveling AAU team, you know, more so than anything. And he's like, no, get rid of the coach. Get, it's like you can't do that. This is professional sports. For him to to be an owner and, and to have the issues that he had as soon as he got into the league, mm-hmm. I think that that that's been detrimental his to his gro- uh, growth curve as an NFL owner as well. So mm-hmm. I mean, there's a there's a lot of things going on that you know most other owners are businessmen. I don't I don't know. You know, I'm I'm not a, a billionaire. I don't own a team. So, but you know, one can only hypothesize. Oh yeah. And sure. that, so, I, I, it, it's just puzzling to see a once promising franchise back in the day with with Jim Brown just steadily go 
into the ground. That franchise has not been anywhere since Ernest Bynum fumbled that damn football. Like, I mean, they've, just be they've been real. to the playoffs like, once. What, with Derrick Anderson and Braylon Edwards? Like, yeah. Yeah, it's like, no, like, yeah, one season. One damn season. So it's like, so, yo. Hold on. But this is how bad it is. The cornerstones were Derrick Anderson and Braylon Edwards. How could but that have gone saying, wrong? I don't know. But you know it is a problem. You knew there was a problem, an inherent problem in Cleveland when the when the previous Cleveland Browns, now the Baltimore Ravens, just up and decided we're out. We ain't even gonna tell you we're leaving, but we gone. Well, and that's and that's and that, and that actually is a big problem, you know, because the big problem with Cleveland right now is that the fan base does not punish this team with empty stadiums with lack of support. They're just so happy to have these Browns back that they're that although they may want them to do better, and I talk to Cleveland fans all the time, but they ain't gonna, they're not gonna like not give them their support because it's like, well, what if he leave me again? You know what I'm saying? We just got back together. You know what I'm saying? It's like, no, nah, he's scared. You know, and and whatever you hold on that tightly, you gonna lose. You know what I mean? Come on, man. Come I'm just on, trying to tell man. you. You know what? Say, uh, we can't talk no more about Cleveland, man. <laughs> Let, let's talk. Hey, you want to talk about a, a real NFL franchise? Let's talk about the Alabama Crimson Tide. God. I was listening to the I was listening to the Dan Levitar show, man, and they were saying that the strength and conditioning coach for the Alabama Crimson Tide team makes like close to six hundred thousand dollars a year. Hey, and uh, if you ask anybody in Lansing, Michigan. He was worth every penny on that line last week because, oh like, man! And but the thing is, going into that game, you had to know that Michigan State didn't have the horses. You had to know that because, like, Michigan State is a ground and pound. They're like that. We are going to beat you up, team of the Big Ten. But that's not going to work when you play in Alabama. Like that's exactly the opposite team that you want to play. If like. That was Michigan State's worst draw. You know what I mean? If they would have played Oklahoma or Clemson, they would have been able to make it a game. They would have been able to out-tough them. You know what I mean? But you can't out-tough a Nick Saban squad. You know, I don't care what kind of face Mark D'Antoni has on his face. Like, you're, you're it, not going to do it. Like, uh, the Michigan State, um, I, I can appreciate what they tried to do. But Alabama does. What do they try to do? Be a ground and pound team. But Alabama does Big Ten football better than Big Ten does Big Ten football. And that's the problem. Like, I don't care if if it was Iowa. It it wasn't happening. The only team that would have probably given them some issues this this season would have been Ohio State. And Ohio State shot themselves in the foot by losing, by not coming to play during the whole season and then getting mad that they, they have. They got left out of the, the playoffs, and everybody decided to bolt. Well, you know, the the Alabama-Mississippi State game, I mean, Michigan State game, uh, it was pretty much decided when I looked at Michigan State, and they don't have a mobile quarterback. And when Nick Saban does not play a mobile quarterback, he's going to eat his lunch. You had Connor Cook, who went out there, in his last collegiate game, went 19 for 39 with two picks. You know, like, it was not – it wasn't cool. It wasn't cool. 
But like, like, this, this, that was your NFL, uh, you know, trial run right there. That was that was like your, your yeah. Yeah, and, and, it was like and, it was like it was your pre combine combine. It was, combine. Instead of being and, and in shorts and t shirts, you was actually out there in pads and, and laid an egg. A the biggest egg. egg, the biggest egg when he had the most to play for, like mm-hmm. of anybody on the field. Nobody Con, draft just, status could have went better. You went from a, being a, fir- a potential first round to possibly being a third day pick, possibly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you you you're definitely not like you're not even getting whiffed before the third round. Like if not the last, you know, no, no, if not as you said, no. if not third day. So we'll what, what, what we'll about, see. What about, but, what about Oklahoma, man? Talk like, about an egg, dog. Like I'm gonna tell you that like that was the most frustrating game I've watched that did not have Treyon Harris in it all season. Let me tell you why. Because you've watched Clemson play football before. You've seen their mm-hmm. offense. They run a lot of screens, a lot of slants, right? Yup. Why are y'all playing seven yards off of the goddamn line of scrimmage every fucking play? But On see, the outside is, in the corner. But, but this is the thing. The, the, the slants and screens did not beat Oklahoma. Oklahoma could not stop the running game. Deshaun Watson ran for 145 yards. And what's that boy named? Wally Gallman? Wayne Gallman? You know, the running back. He looks like a wide receiver in the backfield with Deshaun. And he had over 100. And Oklahoma's only two losses this season. Their only two losses. They allowed over 300 yards rushing. And they they actually allowed 313 to Texas and 312 to Clemson, yeah, yeah. only two losses. It, but it's it it is. But I thought that that was such a simple adjustment. If they would have pressed, they could have gotten themselves off the field a little bit more. And and then to tell you the truth, Clemson's defensive line came to play. Like I really thought Oklahoma was going to be able to tote the rock with Piron. And they were not able to get anything really established against that Clemson front. Clemson really outplayed themselves. Absolutely well, outplayed it, themselves. It, it, it also helps the Clemson defense when Baker Mayfield turns the ball over twice on your side of the field when they're driving the score. And that yeah. just killed two possessions. And yeah. Samaje P. Ryan going out twice. Yeah. Well, you know, they had they had injury bug that was starting to hit them at the end of the year. But I can tell you, like, this national championship game is so up in the air for me because Clemson, the last couple games of the season, didn't look like they were any good. But I know Nate Saban has a problem with running quarterbacks. and But there's no way I can see, you know, them being able to get loose and let Ashawn Robinson hit Deshaun Watson once. Cause the boy looked like he's but like I love the meme this week of seeing uh Ashawn Robinson. It's like, dude, this dude is 20 years old. He looks like he's about to announce his retirement from the NFL. It's like <laughs> you know, like, yeah, it's it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be a very interesting game. Though I would not I would not want to be on either side of that line in in the national championship game. 
you know what you and this is this is why I don't think it's going to be that big of a game because Nick Saban has had to listen to and that Alabama front front 30 as Jim McElwain said has had to listen to the fact that they cannot contain mobile quarterbacks all season long and they haven't faced a mobile quarterback like the most mobile quarterback they faced was Trey on Harris and that's not really facing a quarterback no no you gotta be able to throw the fucking ball yeah you can't be a running back disguised as a quarterback and so a receiver disguised as a quarterback but I digress but and and so you know they're licking their chops and ready to prove to everybody that this was a fluke and also you got um, what's it? Jeremy Pruitt getting ready to leave. So they they want to send Jeremy out with a win. They want to make sure everybody knows that Nick knows what he's doing. You mean Kirby? And I, yeah, Kirby Smart. I'm sorry, Kirby Smart, because Jeremy Pruitt is coming to replace Kirby Smart. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So Trade they want to make sure. Yeah, they want to make sure you know he know that. They go out with a win, and they all have a bad taste in their mouth. It's, nobody left off of that defensive line from that humiliating loss to Ohio State. Nobody oh, yeah. left. Oh, yeah. Well, it, it, it's, it's paying off for everybody right now. So, but, man. I don't know. I don't, I, know. It, I, I, I don't vote against Nick Saban. And like I, I, I learned my lesson. Is it is a difference between Nick Saban? Well, you know what? They gave him enough time between games. See, that's the that's the thing. If this would have been like the next week, this would be a problem. But giving Nick Saban another t- thirteen days, they give him twelve days. No, that's not. It's like a bye week, baby. I got a bye week to prepare yeah, for you. Oh, not, it's over. That's not fair. You know, I don't think that was <clears> right. But you know, I don't schedule these things. Uh, because who would have ever thought growing up that the college football season wouldn't be over to January the 12th? Uh, not I. Not I. I remember. Hell, I remember when it was still when, hold on, when we first, when, when I first got into college football, the season was 10 games. And it just got up to 10 games. Yeah. Yeah. And now, every, everything's playing. 10 games. Everybody's 10 games. Everybody's you know, 12 games now. Yeah. You know I'm saying like, you know, I'm saying that every, you know, now you expect to have 10 win seasons every year if you're at a power and, conference. So, <clears throat> it, it, but I mean, and, and until otherwise, you know, roll with Nick Saban. Roll. With. So, so what, what, what's going on with our Gators, man? Uh, you got Will Greer who decided to transfer. Go I know on. we, we – come on. Just decided to tuck tail and run. Like, what type of – what type of mess is that, man? What type of shit is it? Well, like, you just tuck tail and run? Apparently, he was looking for more of a commitment from Jim McElwain as far as what his position would be with the team after his suspension is going to be over after, what, what week, it, seven next year? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He you wanted Jim to say, oh, all right. No, don't worry about it. Yeah. Like, don't worry about the first six weeks. If we're six and no, and we got a quarterback playing hot. Yeah, I'm just gonna throw you back in there, and you're our starting quarterback. Yeah. No, nah, man, you just let the whole team down. You need to. You're gonna have to work three times as hard. Yeah, but you know, and especially, but what I do like two things: mm-hmm. Felipe Franks 
and the Appleby board out of Purdue. Because that that ensures me that Treyon Harris is has not the played, starting quarterback. Has played his last game at quarterback for the Florida Gators. Like, if we can't take any anything else from this, that is the victory which has come. That Treyon Harris is done at quarterback. So I think we're moving in the right direction. Everything else can work. You know, we we're letting go one of the best cornerbacks in the nation with Vernon, who declared. But Jalen Tabor was arguably better than uh, Vernon was this year. Like, all but one of his picks went to the house. He's a tall, he's a bigger dude. He might not be as fluid with his hips. He might not have that. He still has that passion, but he doesn't He doesn't tackle in the open field as well as Vernon does. Mm-hmm. But as a cover corner, I think he's as equal. So yeah. uh, we have that going for us. That boy, Jordan, number 17, the boy out of Tampa. That boy is serious. Uh, uh, not Jordan Cronkite. That, um, I'm talking about uh, the defensive the end, Scarlett. Jordan yeah, Jordan Scarlett, yeah. Jordan's on the defensive end. We're, we're returning like, some players. We we finally got some direction when it comes to offensively. Jordan Cronkite, is, is he's a good ball runner, dude. And I don't know if, uh, I don't know if Kelvin is coming back. Kelvin hasn't declared yet. But you know, I think I think I think McElwain's pushing a lot of people out the door. You know, I think Demarcus Robinson is out of the door. Hopefully, he is because the boy got a bad attitude. I mean, it's not. He learned from he learned from the best on what you need to do when you come in. And and Nick, I mean, he knows how to run a program, or at least I hope he knows how to run a program. Oh yeah, and and this is this is what you hopefully we'll see this. I mean, you run your bad eggs out the door. You don't. You either you kick them off the team, or you you tell them, hey, you're eligible to declare for the draft. Oh, go declare for the draft, baby. Yeah, you're gonna be a first, second day pick. I promise. Yeah, I mean, I got my people calling me. They saying, is he coming? Is he not? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I hey. I just need to know, baby, because I'm, I'm I'm trying to get my list together, and you know, if he if he if he declares, I will be excited. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. He, oh, he 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 he's giving them the wine and dime, man. He's giving them the wine and dime. He done called up Fred. Said, "Hey, Fred, man, I think your son's ready for the big time." Nah, coach. Nah, man. He is. I think he actually. Uh, I think he wants to keep Kelvin. I don't think he wants to let go of Kelvin. I think because, he, should, he. I don't know, dog. Like I. Because, like, I hate being in that Kelvin kind of purgatory. But I hate but being Kelvin in that kind of purgatory. Offense. But, like, Cronkite was toting that ball just as well. You know what I mean? As, as Kelvin was. Like, I think Kelvin finally found his groove. And I think another year would really benefit him. But as far as upside with the program going forward, I don't know. I mean, you have to have some um, upperclassmen leadership. You do. And, but you want the right type of upperclassman leadership. And I, and I think Kelvin Taylor is the right type of upperclassman leadership because based off of what happened last season when Jim McElwain did what, you know, went a little overboard and, and you Got know, on the sideline with him. Got it yeah. in his mind. But Kelvin, but Kelvin Taylor did not fold. No. He, he came did. back and actually played a little bit. He played better after that happened. He so did. that's what you that's what you want. And that's what's going to push those those underclassmen to, to do that as well. So you need that leadership. You just want to get all the bad eggs out. But like like we said, 
that are upperclassmen because they those are the ones that need to go because yeah. they, they have no purpose being there but to muck stuff up and to ruin the the program building that you have going on. Yeah, but you know, you're always concerned when it's year two after, you know, the the previous coach. Because you start to see more of the tendencies of your new coach and less of the tendencies of your old coach. And for Florida, what does that mean on the defensive side of the ball? And I think I mean, that's you know, after having two years of arguably a top five defense in the country, only to be wasted by Trayon Harris. Yeah, I remember you, Trayon. Don't think I forgot about you. Only to be ruined by Trayon Harris. You know, not only Trayon Harris, but also uh, what's that boy name that went to Louisiana Tech? Jeff Driscoll. <laughs> hey, well, Jeff. 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 Jeff Brown actually ball this well. year. I was gonna say Jeff yeah. ball this year. So I'm not gonna so put I him think- on Jeff, bro. No, I think it was more uh, boom. Yeah. Now boom's gonna be in South Carolina. Come no, that's on. gonna be the saddest thing ever. Like that's gonna that be man, the saddest thing ever. I can see it now. Fifteen yard penalty on the head coach, unsportsmanlike conduct, dude. And, boom, but you know boom. what? I'm, I don't think we're gonna have that. We're going you to regress. Yeah, we're we're going to regress this season. I mean, this season coming up. I don't think we're going to be a ten win team uh, this season coming up. I I think we're going to go more nine and three, three ish, yeah. because that's what we're going to have to do as a program. But we'll see a lot better product on the field. Yeah, and and I think sometimes you got to regress in order to progress. I mean, and. The, if the product looks better on the offensive end, you know, you know, Gator fans, even though we've had this great defense the last two years, they don't care about that. What? How many points on the board? Period. Because at the end of the day, most points win. You know, so they would they would love for us to be out there and be a Big Twelve school. You know, they don't care if we give up thirty five as long as we score thirty six. You know, so. They need to be running in that direction. And whatever quarterback can go out there and put up that amount of points is the one we need to go with. And we'll finally have two tall quarterbacks, you know what I mean, to choose from, you know, this year. And the offensive line that will have a year together. Because, it's like, you know, Traylon's bad, but that offensive line was pretty bad. And it was a makeshift offensive line this year. So, Well, the the, the two true freshmen that, they, that he threw in at guard, at left and right guard, um, um, Ivy and um, what's that other boy's name? I can't think of his name, but mm-hmm. they played very well, and that shored up the offensive line to be able to keep us respectable. Uh, respect- yeah, they kept us respectable. So, I, well, I wouldn't. I don't know if we were respectable. Well, like, well, especially not on the first. We, we weren't. We weren't even like that. Uh, I don't even want to talk. I, 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 See, <laughs> talking about these Gators got me ready to go. To, I'm ready to go to bed, man. <laughs> I need to go and cry into my pillow. Oh man! Well, I guess that's all we had for you for the for the people, right, Anton? Unless that's you it, you, man. you you about to surprise me with something I I didn't know about. Boy, I got some breaking news here. Breaking news. Oh, what what you got? All right, nothing. Trayon Harris transfers to Appalachian State School of the Blind. Uh, <laughs> uh, and he, all right. He's not guaranteed to start, but you know it is. 
you can find me at please say to be at all of your important social media outlets and you know what you can find me at um you know what i changed it up um i'm just gonna be using the random discourse moniker now so you can find me yeah you can find me at random discourse on twitter you can find me at random discourse on instagram and um Eventually, I'll get this Periscope thing down and you get to see my pretty face outside of being like half shadow when we do these uh, these lovely podcasts. Because I look like Two-Face right now. Word. But thank you, everybody, for uh, tuning in, listening. Um, you can find it. Well, if you're listening, you probably found it on SoundCloud. If not, uh, we're on SoundCloud. We're on iTunes. Like us, rate us, follow us and tell your friends and also um, subscribe. Work.